Chapter 224 of Vani the Vampire Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie. Vani the Vampire Volume 3 by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter 224 The Fate of Sir George. The Crossroad sir george when he saw the crowd of persons seemed to have some undefined idea that they were enemies but this would not have been productive of any serious consequences if it had not most unfortunately happened that the most formidable weapon was within his grasp the weapon consisted of one of the long iron crowbars which had been successfully used by his own sons in order to force a passage to the family vault where such horrors had been witnessed suddenly then seizing this weapon which in the hands of a ferocious man was a most awful one he swung it once around his head and then rushed upon those he considered his foes he dealt but three blows and at each of those one of the assailants fell lifeless in the church porch to resist or to attempt to contend with a man so armed and apparently possessed of such preternatural strength was what some of the party wished and accordingly a free passage was left and he rushed out of the church into the night air shouting for vengeance and still at interval accusing himself of being a vampire a most dangerous theme to touch upon considering then the state of feeling in that little district anxiety for the safety of sir george induced his sons and mr bevan to rush after him regardless of all other consequences so that the church the vaults and everything they contained were left to the mercy of a mob infuriated by superstition rendered still more desperate by the loss of three of the number in so sudden and exemplary a manner they opposed no obstacle to the leaving of those persons who thus for dearer considerations abandoned the old church but they rushed with wild shouts and gesticulations the building the vampire the vampire cried the blacksmith death to the vampire death and destruction to the vampire hooray cried another to the vaults this way to sir george crofton's vault there seemed to be little doubt now that this disorderly rebel would execute some revengeance upon the supposed nocturnal disturber of the peace of the district ever and anon too as these shouts of discord and of threatening vengeance rose upon the night air there would come a distant muttering of thunder for the storm had not yet ceased although its worst fury had certainly passed away dark and heavy clouds were sweeping up from the horizon and it seemed to be tolerably evident that some heavy deluge of rain would eventually settle the fury of the elements and reconcile the discord of wind and electricity several of the rioters were provided with links and matches so that in a few moments the whole interior of the church was brilliantly illuminated while at the same time it presented a grotesque appearance in consequence of the unsteady and wavering flames from the links through myriads of dancing shadows upon the walls there would have been no difficulty under any ordinary circumstances in finding the entrance to the vault where the dead of the crofton family should have lain in peace but now since the large flagstone that covered the entrance to that receptacle of the grave was removed it met the observation at once it was strange now to perceive how for a moment superstition having led them so far the same feeling should induce them to pause where they ventured to make their way down these gloomy steps it was a critical moment and probably if any one or two had taken a sudden panic the whole party might have left the church with precipitation having done a considerable amount of mischief and yet as it is so usual with rioters having left the principal object unaccomplished 
the blacksmith put an end to this state of indecision for seizing a link from the man who was nearest him he darted down the steps exclaiming as he did so who's afraid need not follow me this was a taunt they were not exactly prepared to submit to and the consequence was that in a very few moments the ancient and time-honored vault of the croftons was more full of the living than of the dead the blacksmith laid his hand upon clara's coffin here it is he said i know the very pattern of the clothes and the fashion of the nails i saw it at grinkens the undertaker's before it was taken to the grange is she there is she there cried half a dozen voices at once even the blacksmith hesitated a moment he removed the lid from the receptacle of the death but when he did so and his eyes fell upon the face of the presumed vampire he seemed rejoiced to find in the appearances then exhibited some sort of justification for the act of violence of which already he had been the instigator here you are he said look at the bloom upon her lips why her cheeks are fresher and rosier than ever they were while she was alive a vampire my mates this is a vampire or may i never break bread again and now what's to be done burn her burn her cried several well said the blacksmith mind it's as you like i brought you here and shown you what it is and now you can do what you like and of course i'll lend you a hand to do it any one who had been very speculative in this affair might have detected in these last words of the blacksmith something like an inclination to creep out of the future consequences of what might next to be done while at the same time shame deterred him from exactly leaving his companions in the church after some suggestions then and some argumentation as to the probability or possibility of interruption the coffin itself was with its sad and wretched occupant lifted from the niche where it should have remained until that awful day when all the dead shall rise for judgment and carried up the steps into the graveyard but scarcely had they done so when the surcharged clouds burst over their heads and the rain came down in perfect torrents the deluge was so frightful and continuous a character that they shrank back again beneath the shelter of the church porch and there waited until its first fury had passed away such an even downstorm seldom lasts long in our climate and the consequence was that in about ten minutes the shower had so far subsided that although the continuous rain was falling it bore but a very distant comparison to what had taken place how are we to burn the body on such a night as this ay how indeed said another you could not so much as kindle a fire and if you did it would not live many minutes i'll tell you what to do at once said one who had as yet borne but the quiet part in the proceedings i'll tell you what to do at once for i saw it done myself a vampire is quite as secure buried in a crossroad with a stake through its body as if you burned it in all the fires in the world come on the rain won't hinder you doing that this was a suggestion highly approved of and the more so as there was a crossroad close at hand so that the deed would be done quick and the parties dispersed to their respective homes for already the exertion they had taken and the rain that had fallen had had a great effect in sobering them and even now the perilous and disgusting operation of destroying the body by fire or any other way might have been abandoned had any of the parties suggested such a course but the dread of a future imputation of cowardice kept all silent once more the coffin was raised by four of the throng and carried through the churchyard which was now running in many little rivulets in consequence of the rain 
the cross-road was not above a quarter of a mile from the spot and while those who were disengaged from carrying the body were hurrying away to get spades and mattocks the others walked through the rain and finally paused at the place they thought suitable for that ancient superstitious rite which it was thought would make the vampire rest in peace it was hard to suppose that sir george croft and his sons and mr bevan were all deceived concerning the symptoms of vitality which they had observed in the corpse of clara but certainly now there was no appearance of anything of the kind and the only suspicious circumstances appeared to be the blood upon her lips and the very fresh-like appearance of the face if it were really a fact that the attack of vani the vampire upon this fair young girl had converted her into one of those frightful existences and that she had been about to leave her tomb for the purpose of seeking a repast of blood it would appear that the intention had been checked and frustrated by the presence of sir george and his party in the vault at last a dozen men now arrived well armed with spades and picks and they commenced the work of digging a deep rather than a capacious grave in silence a gloomy and apprehensive spirit seemed to come over the whole assemblage and the probability is that this was chiefly owing to the fact that they now encountered no opposition and that they were permitted unimpeded to accomplish a purpose which had never yet been attempted within the memory of any of the inhabitants of the place the grave was dug and about two feet depth of soil was thrown in a huge mound upon the surface the coffin was lowered and there lay the corpse within the receptacle of poor humanity unimprisoned by any lid for that had been left in the vault and awaiting the doom which had been decreed upon it but which they now with a shuddering horror shrunk from performing a hedge stake with a sharp point had been procured and those who held it looked around them with terrified countenances while the few links that had not been extinguished by the rain shed a strange and lurid glare upon all objects it must be done said the blacksmith don't let it be said that we got thus far and then were afraid do it then yourself said the man that held the stake i dare not i do cried several voices you brought us here why don't you do it are you afraid after all your boasting afraid afraid of the dead i am not afraid of any of you that are alive and it's not likely i am going to be afraid of a dead body you are a pretty set of cowards i got no animosity against the girl but i want that we shall all sleep in peace and that our wives and children should not be disturbed nocturnally in their blessed repose i'll do it if none of you'll do it and then you may thank me afterwards for the act although i suppose if i get into trouble i shall have you all turn tail upon me no we won't no we won't well well here goes whether you do or i i'll do it directly he shrinks cried one no said another he'll do it now for it stand aside stand aside yourself do you want to fall into the grave the blacksmith shuddered as he held the stake in an attitude to pierce the body and even up to that moment it seemed to be a doubtful case whether he would be able to accomplish his purpose or not at length when they all thought he was upon the point of abandoning his design and cast the stake away he thrust it with tremendous force through the body in the back of the coffin the eyes of the corpse opened wide her hands clenched and a shrill piercing shriek came from her lips the shriek was answered by as many as there were persons present and then with pallid fear upon their countenances they rushed headlong from the spot End of chapter two hundred twenty four recording by ellie june two thousand and nine